Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Hey, I'm Cam from Spell, and you're listening to Talking Metal. Hey, I'm Graham McBee, and you're listening to Talking Metal. Hey, this is Lester from Spell, and you're listening to Talking Metal. You're listening to the Talking Metal Podcast with your host, Mark Striegel, and special guest co-host, Victor M. Ruiz. iTunes number one hard rock and metal podcast. I'm Bud Friendly. Now, here are your hosts, Mark and Victor. Welcome one and all. Once again, to another episode of Talking Metal Live, we have Mark Striegel all the way over in New Jersey, and we have myself, Victor Ruiz, here in Spain. Victor Ruiz from Mars Attacks, guys. Definitely, if you don't subscribe to that podcast, you should. Mars Attacks, part of the Talking Metal Digital Podcasting Network. Absolutely. Absolutely. We have a, a lot of great shows on Talking Metal Digital. Obviously, Mark just helped uh, pimp my show there for a second. Had some fun doing some work with uh, Miss LaFon recently on a few different episodes. I know you've like, been like working. You, uh, you uh, clarified the pronunciation of his name because it's something, I mean, he basically told you on that one episode that you can say Mitch LaFon, which I've been right. trying so hard to get that, you know, French Montreal Canadian Lafon, you know, um, been trying so hard to say it like that, and now I feel like I I don't have to try that hard. Right, I, I hear you. It was funny because one of the first times that I spoke to him, being a lifelong hockey fan, I'm thinking, okay, well, how would his name be pronounced in French Canadian because of all the long line of, you know, French Canadian players. Uh, I started thinking of Guy Lafleur, you know, s- similar to what you're saying, you know. How do you say it? So I wanted to get that out of the way because obviously it's uncomfortable to be pronouncing someone's name incorrectly, you know, even even after they tell you it's pronounced a certain way. Yeah, that's my microwave going off in the uh, 
the background with my frozen burrito. It's nine after nine o'clock here on the East Coast. I still haven't eaten dinner. It's just been one of those days. Uh, but before I eat my burrito and do an episode of Talking Metal, I gotta crack this beer open. So, Victor, are you you're not drinking beer anymore? I can't drink uh, any alcohol. I can only drink um, water. Um, I can drink Gatorade, and I can drink Coke from time to time, but even that uh, messes me up sometimes. Um, I mean, I've been told just to try to drink the occasional Coke, which, I mean, I don't frequently drink soft drinks, but I was told by my doctor that if my stomach was bothering me, that it it is a good way to um, combat um, different issues that I've had. Uh, I have been doing better than I have been in a long while. I've Good. been feeling this week, so uh, I was happy to hear that we were going to be doing the show this week. So it's almost like the uh, cherry on top, you know, a, a good, nice, long yeah. week of, uh, of you know, being good and, uh, you know, catching up with you. Yeah, it's definitely, I like doing the Friday's shows. I mean, I had a fucking shit-ass day at work. I, I fucked something up, basically, and I'm trying hard to impress these people because I don't work there for real. I'm not a staff employee. I'm a freelance contractor. And, you know, my time's up at the end of the month, and I want to kind of hope I get more work from them. And I I did a big fuck up, so I'm fucking just pissed about that. You know, my wife's doing this play, which uh, is great. I'm glad she's doing it. But, you know, when I come home from work, it's right to baths for the kids and, you know, and (laughs) – stories and snacks and blah, blah, blah. And then I'm running around getting set up for this, which uh, I wish we could start it earlier um, because I know it's so late for you. But the 9 o'clock is uh, about how things go over here. And then I think i just been hung over all day too because I, I went out with Josh Bernstein last night. He just moved to Maplewood. He is the former creative director, editor of Revolver Magazine. And, oh, no uh, kidding. Yeah, I... I he had a couple of his neighbors with him. We hit the uh, the local pub in in Maplewood and talked to metal. Basically, I should have had a microphone going because we were. He was he was definitely dishing some good stories about his his time uh, at Revolver and some of the. Uh, I heard some crazy stuff actually about really big name stars who go around preaching that they're sober and and. Josh telling me that as early as two years ago, you know, the one the one guy and I'm talking to a massive heavy metal star who goes around telling people he's sober uh, was was drinking and smoking weed uh, in the presence of, you know, the staff, the revolver staff. Um, Sounds so. Yeah. What's that? It sounds like he was sober, yeah. <laughs> yeah, apparently he doesn't do heroin anymore, so he, he thinks he's sober. But uh, apparently he still smokes. I'm not going to mention his name, but he still smokes weed and uh, does uh, drinks kamikazes. So there you go. And I'd heard a rumor <laughs> that he got drunk once with Angela from Arch Enemy uh, about five, six years ago on on Red Wine. So it's just kind of funny that he goes around with this persona uh, being the sober guy, you know, because uh, apparently he's not. And again, I, I don't want to mention any names, but most people could probably figure it out by this point. I, w- I was going to see if I could pan my camera to a box set that I have on top of uh, my CDs here, but uh, I see that it's covered up by something else. I think by something uh, 
by his former band. So, All right. Sounds like you're on the, the right track there. <laughs> anyway, um, so what's on tap? We, 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 got, we got a band called Spell that's going to be dialing in in just a few minutes. And I, I don't know anything about this band except I know one thing about them. And they're fucking good, man. They, uh, they are old school, like new wave of British heavy metal sounding um, rock and roll. And they're not. They're 2014. They're out of Canada. We're going to find out more about them. I don't really know anything about the guys in the band. I don't know, you know, how they are able to recreate this authentic, dirty, rough new wave of British heavy metal sound, you know, 30 some years later in Canada, but, uh, they're doing it. So I I am very excited to talk with them, uh, do a brief interview with them and, and even more excited to play some more of their music for you guys. I played one of their tracks on, uh, I think it was episode 470. I played one of their tracks. So we'll get another one into you guys tonight. Very cool. I was just reading a few minutes ago uh, while I was doing the the um, pre-show per se. I uh, was reading that Doug Aldridge had left uh, White Snake. Really? Dio for White Snake, sort of saying that that was his favorite band of all time, and found it sort of a a strange story. I guess from what Coverdale posted on Twitter, he's leaving to do solo work. But, uh, I mean, he's done everything from Lady Gaga in the last year right. to his own band. Um, uh, now I forget the name of the band. Is it Burning Rain, perhaps? It sounds, also- it sounds right. I'm not sure, though. Right. And uh, just interesting that, I mean, I would think that, uh, I mean, although Whitesnake isn't huge, uh, if you leave something like Dio, and I understand Dio isn't around anymore, but if you leave Dio for Whitesnake, I'd think that would be like the last job you'd look for. But who knows? I mean... Who knows what goes on behind the, behind the scenes? Yeah, Burning Rain. I'm I'm on uh, I'm on Wikipedia right now. Burning Rain. Yes. Who played guitar for Dio? Like I saw Dio like in '96, and the guy who was playing with him at that time was not like was not a real crazy shredder. He was more like just a kind of straight-ahead rock guy. At least that was the vibe I I remember from the concert. This is a I believe it was. I want to say it was Motorhead Dio Maiden at Roseland. I'm not sure about that, but I think that was who it was. I'm trying to. Who was the drummer? The drummer? I don't know. I, I'm not sure. I can't remember. I mean, his his guitarists were. It may have been. Uh, it may have been been Vinnie Appice. I'm not sure. If it was Vinnie Appice, then it was Tracy G. Um, the long black hair. The guitarist had a um, Strat. I don't know. Doesn't I? I mean, I know who Tracy G was, and I feel like that wasn't him, but it could have been. Right. I'll need to figure that out. I don't know. He almost seemed like kind of a no-name guy. I, I don't know. Because the, the the guys that he's had, he's had Vivian, he's had Craig Goldie, he's had um, Rowan Robertson, then Tracy G and Doug Aldridge. Those are the guys that he played with officially. And they, he never had anybody else on tour with him? Not to my knowledge. I mean, obviously, Craig Goldie came back in the fold much later. but um, Right. Huh, I don't know. I need to research that. 
Anyways, uh, not not a big deal right now. What's the plan before we get Spell on the line, uh, Victor? Are we going to, and we hope we're going to get him on the line, being that this is recorded live. You, a lot of you guys are listening to it in podcast form, but it is a live show here on, what's the, the day today? The 9th? May 9th? Um, uh, yes, the 9th. The 9th. It is a live show here at 9 p.m. on the East Coast. So we are hoping we will have Spell calling in in four minutes. That's that's uh, the plan. But again, live shows, slight disclaimer, you never know what's going to happen. So, <laughs> um, and I did send them an email today and never heard back, which is why I'm, I'm giving the disclaimer. But uh, do you have a song you want to play before we, we dial them up, Victor? Uh, we could do that, sure. I've been, um, I heard this a few weeks ago. And really thought it was cool. And uh, as I was working at my new house today, sweeping up a storm, uh, I put this on to listen to the entire album, and I really liked it. The name of the band is California Breed. Uh, This is the new project that Glenn Hughes and Jason Bonham have put together. I unfortunately don't know the name of the guitarist. It's a three-piece. And I was actually impressed because... I thought that uh, with the previous band, the uh, what was that Country Communion or what yes. was the name of that? Yeah, I, I thought the songs were either hit or miss. They were either really good or just very bland. Yeah, I like liked that last record they put out. I mean, Martin Popoff, I think, called it his favorite record of last year. I think, but so people did. Some people did like it. I heard other people say they didn't. But I, I'm with you. I, I, I'm with you. Some it was hit or miss for me too. Yeah, it seemed like there was almost too much talent and it just wasn't coming out. It's similar to my whole interpretation of Chickenfoot. But anyway, um, this is California Breed. I I think it's really cool. Uh, The whole entire album, at least in my opinion, is very strong. And uh, before I get into the track, the one thing that I was sort of going back and forth with on Facebook not too long ago, it's funny how a band like Kingdom Come caught so much crap in the 80s for sounding so much like Zeppelin, and now you have so many bands that sound like Zeppelin, and they don't get that same sort of flat. Yeah, so. but you know what I will say? That, that remember Bonham, and I think I mentioned this on the recent right. Talking Rock episode, Robert Plant, for whatever reason, like when he was calling Whitesnake, you know, David Cover version, and, King, and he called Kingdom Come, Kingdom Clone, you know, he gave Bonham, the band I'm talking about, uh, that, that record with the disregards for timekeeping or whatever it was, Bob Ezrin produced it. Um, he gave them a pass, and I think that was pretty much because you know his good friend's son and his, his friend, Jason Bonham, was the leader of that band. Right. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if this band gets a pass because of, of Jason Bonham. Right. At least okay, a pass so- from, from Plant, you know? Right. Okay, so let's check out Sweet Tea here by California Breed. Nice.
Hey guys, what you just heard was Spell. The name of that song is Possessed by Heavy Metal. Great, great band. And I highly recommend you guys seeking them out on Facebook and, and liking them and getting the CD when it's released. I was sent a download leak, so I'm not e- link. I'm not even sure if the uh, album is out yet. But um, great stuff. And we were supposed to do an interview with them at 9.15 Eastern Standard Time tonight. And Victor sent them a friend request on uh, Skype earlier today, adding, getting them to add him as a contact. They never responded. And here we are, 9.22, and no sign of them. So I guess they're lost because, you know, when you get on Talking Metal, you definitely reach at least a couple thousand listeners, usually a lot more than that, actually. So uh, too bad. That that often makes me wonder if the if some of these artists realize that the amount of people that are listening to them on a podcast is probably more than you know the amount of sales they have for an album. Yeah. So I mean, you know who gets a freaking shitload of downloads? This guy Mitch. Mitch on Talking Metal Digital one on one podcast, as we mentioned earlier, gets a, a ton of downloads. Uh, that Stephen Piercy episode he had just. Uh, in like uh, uh, 12,000 downloads at this point, you know, and even the Toby Wright interview, which I stuck through up on a Saturday thinking it was going to be a throwaway. I mean, that's like well over 5,000 or like four days in, it was at 5,000. So I haven't checked in it at, at this point, but um, yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's great. And it's an honor to have the one and only Mitch LaFon on talking metal digital with us. Check his podcast out. Check Victor's podcast out. And while I have your attention, guys, hopefully I have your attention through the whole show, what I'm trying to say is I'm going to break away just for a minute to let you know that we work with this company called The Midroll, and they provide advertisements to podcasters. A lot of the biggies, too. Mark Marin goes through The Midroll, I believe. Um, Comedy Bang Bang. A lot of the real big ones. But... Listeners, help Talking Metal stay free to download by completing this short, anonymous survey. It will take no more than five minutes of your time. Your answers will help match our shows with advertisers that best fit the sensibility of our podcast and its listeners, like you. Listeners who complete the survey will be entered in an ongoing monthly raffle to win a $100 Amazon gift card. We promise not to share or sell your email address We won't send you emails unless you win. Please go to www.podsurvey.com slash metal. This place will, again, help us. It'll help you guys uh, in entering this contest. It's a win-win situation. So, again, go to www.podsurvey.com slash metal to take our survey and get a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card from the mid-roll and Talking Metal. Thanks a lot, guys. All right, so no spell. They still haven't reached out and tried to Skype you, Victor? They actually just did. They just mentioned that they're getting everyone in position that they'll call us in a second. It's like... It's kind of annoying, but okay. <laughs> yes. It is without so, a doubt. what else is going on? You had a few things you wanted to talk about. Yeah, I, I found it interesting when we were talking a little bit about uh, the whole Zeppelin connection there for a second. Uh, 
every so many months we talk about Robert Plant and his stupid comments. I mean, is there any other have you, any other way of you know addressing them? I, I mean, I don't know. I, I just read his yeah. whole comment yeah. about. Well, the reason that there wasn't a Led Zeppelin reunion is because he didn't want a jukebox. Yeah. Oh, so but he goes out and he plays all the Zeppelin songs solo, you know. So not yeah, all of them, yeah. but a, but a, a good chunk of them. He he's here's the th- here's the deal. He's being polite, and I think he's protecting his friends, Jimmy Page specifically, and I think he's also, you know, protecting the legacy. And for. 30 years, ever since I was like literally 11 years old, I longed for a Zeppelin reunion with Jason Bonham, Tony Thompson, whoever the hell was going to be on drums. It didn't make that big of a difference to me. No disrespect towards Jason Bonham. But after that, how the West, what was the DVD? Um, Celebration Day DVD came out. And you and I have devoted podcasts to this this already. But um, I, I have to say that it was a little tough for me to watch, and I, I felt like his playing was just Jimmy's specifically, just lacked the intensity and 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 technique that he once had. And you know, I, Plant didn't quite hit the notes like he used to, although he was in tune. You know, whether that was overdubbed or whatever is is a whole other uh, conversation. But he sounded all right. I just felt like I don't know. I I felt like that made me think. You know, for the first time in a long, long time, that hey, maybe it's better to to leave the legacy at at what it was, you know, and not 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 mess with it and leave that memory. You know, it's like you know Marilyn Monroe would have gotten old and maybe she would have gotten fat and not as attractive, but because she died so young, she's eternally beautiful to to us all and and sexy and and vibrant you know and and maybe so maybe there's something for leaving zeppelin in the past i mean they revisited it here and there and um i don't know i i I almost feel like for the you know within the last year or two i've for the first time kind of been like okay maybe plant is right you know but um i think that i think him saying he wants to just uh, he didn't want to be a human jukebox I mean, listen. There was there was what three hundred million on the table or something. It's like, it's like I think I think he just realized that that he didn't want to tarnish the legacy or or something. I, I don't know. I don't know. But maybe he's smarter than we think. You know, could be. I mean, my only response to that is, I mean, I would hope that if they would do a, a string of tours, the band would sound better. At least Jimmy's playing than just a one-off, maybe. I mean, there's like a million things that could have, you know, everyone has a bad day. You know, maybe his playing was off that day or or whatever. And after so many years of not playing in front of all those people, maybe that came into play. I don't know. Who who knows? Who knows? What's going on with Spell? Are they contacting us? I don't know. The the guy told me about uh, seven minutes ago that they're, they're getting ready. I mean, they're supposed to <laughs> supposed to be ready fifteen minutes ago. Right. All right. So, it's just is sorry, spell. It's just kind of it's a little bit annoying. We're doing a, a live show here. Maybe they don't freaking realize it's live. But even if it wasn't live, I, I just my life has gotten be- between work. You know, I, I don't know if you guys know this. I actually 
put together all of Mitch's podcasts, you know, not all of them because Victor's done two of them. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of behind the work stuff that was go- that goes on on Mitch's podcast, which I love doing because I'm, I'm glad th- to have him on Talking Metal Digital. Um, but it's just like between work, podcasting, the kids, it's like I feel like my time is so freaking valuable that when when people screw me on 15 minutes or something, I, I tend to get a little annoyed. But um, anyways... What about Ozzy? You you had emailed me earlier about a uh, Ozzy Osbourne topic that we could cover, which I think is is kind of interesting. Yeah, it was interesting. I interviewed Monty Pittman earlier this week. Those that don't know who Monty is, uh, he was in the band Prong, and he's actually Madonna's guitarist. Uh, he taught her how to play. Um, he as the story's been mentioned plenty of times online, uh, he taught Guy Ritchie how to play, and then he explains during the interview how she basically brought him into the fold and how he's been with her ever since. For So he was giving Guy Ritchie lessons back when Guy and Madonna were together, and then he got into Madonna's band that way? Yes. Really? Oh, that's uh, interesting. Wow. What basically happened was... Uh, he started giving Guy lessons. She had bought him a guitar. He was working at the Guitar Center in Hollywood. Um, he started giving him lessons. And three days later, Madonna said, I want you to give me lessons. And what happened was she basically explained to him that she couldn't hang around Hollywood, uh, that he would have to come out on tour with her. And he was giving her three to four lessons a week. And little by little, that escalated into him appearing on Letterman with her. And then from there, he was in her band. And he goes into uh, detail on how, you know, being part of her band is more like being part of her family and this and that. And I don't know. I found it very interesting. Um, One of the things that I asked him and that I ask a lot of other people is if you ever had a chance to either – Put a bill together where your band is playing with a current band and one that no longer exists. Who would they be? And in Monty's case, he's worked with all types of artists from, as I mentioned, Prong, Madonna, members of the Spice Girls. Uh, actually, Spells Calling in. Okay. I guess I should pick okay. this up. We'll finish your thought. Um. So anyway, he... Um, he he basically or or what what I asked him was who should uh or who would he like to play with uh or who would he like to record with that he hasn't recorded with in the past and he starts to tell me how he actually went to Dolores Road school and how he's very friendly with um Randy Rhodes' brother Kelly Rhodes right and how Kelly's played piano on some of his um, his acoustic work. And he basically says, um, you know, that Kelly has this, like, musical mind similar to how Randy had and how he thinks about music in the same way. And that he basically answered that the person that he would love to work with would be Ozzy if he could get Kelly involved to help with the whole songwriting and and everything else, that he feels that they could put something out very similar to the first two Ozzy albums. 
Right. So I found it to be very interesting that he would bring that up. And at the same time, I started thinking, well, what makes sense for Razi? Would it make sense uh, for them to try another Sabbath? Or would it make sense for him to now come back to Gus right. G and his solo band? Well, I tell you what, let's hold, let's hold that thought because I definitely have some things to, uh, to add to that because it's, it's a really uh, interesting thing to talk about. Mitch and I spoke about it a little bit on one of those one-on-one episodes. But uh, are the spell guys on the line now? Uh, I have to call them, actually. Okay. Why don't you uh, just dial I'm... them in? Okay. All right. On the line, joining us all the way from the Great White North, the band Spell. Hey, guys. How are you? Pretty good. Doing good. awesome. Yeah. Cool. So who do we have? We have Lester, Graham, and, and Cam? Yep. Yeah. Excellent. Guys, the, the download link that was sent to me, uh, I, you know, I get a ton of download links, and sometimes I have to admit I don't even bother downloading them. But when I, when I read the description of you guys, it sounded kind of interesting, and I, but I was still skeptical. But when I heard the music, man, you guys got it going on. It's, it's some really good shit you guys are doing, and I'm, I'm very impressed, and I want to just take this time to kind of introduce you guys to the Talking Metal listeners and learn a little bit about you guys. Because I honestly, I don't know anything about Spell, except that you guys have some really good music. So, so tell me a little bit about you guys. Where are you from, and how long have you been together as a band? Well, we're from Vancouver, BC, Canada, and uh, we've been jamming together since about 2007. Um, and we've been, we've been playing heavy metal since then, and we're just just sort of more recently starting to uh, expand our sound a bunch, and we, we had a fairly recent name change. We used to be called Striker, now we're called Spell. <clears throat> and um, we just put out our first record, The Full Moon Sessions, with Hard and Heavy Records out of Toronto. Uh, and we're just about to embark on our first uh, major tour across Canada, and we're you know stoked to see what we can do after that. Cool. And who is this talking right now? Is this Cam? I'm Cam, yeah. yeah. So Cam, now you're the, the bassist, and you also do most of the vocals? Correct. Cool. And then, Graham, what, what do you play? I play guitar. Okay, and that leaves Lester as the drummer, right? Yeah. Cool. So I, I guess the, I, I'm like a, an older dude, you know, uh, and, and I was a, a really young kid when the new wave of British heavy metal movement actually happened. And, and I have to kind of compare that sound that came out of, of, of Britain in 1979 through like 1982 to what you guys are doing. You almost sound like you could be a part of that movement. And so it, it, it made me wonder, like, how old are you guys? Are you guys younger guys? Are you older guys who are kind of, you know, experienced that sound when it came out? Like, where, no, we're where? Okay, so, so that's uh, younger. Compared not to life when uh, <laughs> the British heavy metal was was happening, right? But uh, Cam and myself uh, are brothers, so uh, when we were first getting into music and learning to play guitar and bass and instruments and things, uh, kind of our main drive to do that was probably our influence from bands of the new wave British heavy metal, like obviously Iron Maiden and Judas Priest and uh, other bands. But uh, so that's probably why that's an intrinsic part of our sound. And how did you get into those bands? Was it like, did your parents listen to them or an older uncle or something? 
We really, uh, really no, actually nothing like that. We kind of just discovered it on our own, really. At the uh, local, pretty much at the local uh, record shop. Yeah. Our parents didn't really listen to music at all <laughs> throughout our childhood. Yeah, not, really, so not very much. <laughs> we, um, we just we just went down to the local record shop, and I remember one day just looking through CDs and records and and picking up Iron Maiden Peace of Mind and just thinking this looks awesome and buying it really for no reason and then. Uh, you know, that being a life-changing experience. I brought Brave New World on that same day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting that you guys bring that up because way back when, before you had all the, you know, online uh, outlets, that's how a lot of people actually bought albums. <clears throat> Excuse me. Was by seeing the, the album jacket and saying, wow, this looks really cool. You know, something like Peace of Mind or any of the Iron Maiden albums that Derek Riggs had had done. Um, obviously, the sound, though, almost predates that even more. Is It's almost going more towards the Paul Diano era of the band, where it's much rawer and fits, you know, perfectly into what Mark was describing. Yeah, well, kind of, as we've, I mean, the, the whole thing about, like, finding cool music through album covers and stuff, that's still a really big, important part of our sound. And we've actually kind of been going backwards in time in a way. We still spend a lot of our time at the record stores just picking up stuff we've never heard of before or seen just because it looks cooler, because it sounds cool. And um, so, you know, we started we started out with the Iron Maiden stuff, and then we've kind of been working our way back through the, through the 80s and the 70s and 60s and just discovering as much cool stuff as we can find. And that's kind of why our sound's evolving. Cool. And what's the, like, the scene like, the rock and metal scene like in Vancouver? Is there an actual scene that exists there? There's a there's a handful of great bands from here, and uh, I think Vancouver's always had a number of kind of classic and influential bands. But uh, the main problem I would say for the scene in the city is a lack of venues and uh, a lot of red tape, like bylaws and liquor license laws, that uh, really shut down a lot of the up and coming venues and make it very difficult to put on uh, metal shows and rock shows. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, so there's there's a pretty strong small scene, but um, but it's it's more of like it's, you get the occasional like big bands like Three Inches of Blood that come out of here and really take off, or you know Bison right. or even Wizard Ancients. But um, it because it's so hard to get booked, it tends to be not a very good scene for sort of blossoming smaller bands. So you get a few gotcha. of the big ones, but then, you know it's not really very helpful for everyone else. Right All on. of those bands are. Still, well, and so how do you guys do it? Are you guys working day jobs, and, and you're, you, or are you doing this full-time? Uh, definitely not definitely doing this full-time job. <laughs> We're working all the time, man. <laughs> Trying so, to get time off the tour. Yeah, so that's you, you got to take time off, and you go out, and you tour, and it, there's probably not a lot of money to be made when you're on the road. Is that right? Well, yeah, the trouble, I mean, I feel like Vancouver is probably one of the worst cities in the world to tour from, second to Victoria, B.C., because we can't go north because there's nothing to the north. We can't go south because it's impossible to get across the border without paying thousands of dollars in licensing and stuff. Or sneaking across. Or sneaking really? Across, sneaking wow. And yeah. And if we want to go, if we want to go east, we, of course we can't go west because there's an ocean. If we want to go east, which is the only direction, it's literally like thousands of miles between. You know, like the next place with an actual music scene is Toronto, which is you know what is that like four and a half thousand miles oh, yeah. across across the continent. Well, there's oh, yeah. there's some other cities in Calgary and Edmonton and there's a few, but you, you know. know it's not but, like uh, there's, there's a lot, lot bigger distances between major cities, so touring across Canada is like 
kind of less feasible, uh, <laughs> less economical. It's a guaranteed money pit. You're gonna yeah, you're gonna yeah, lose right. more than you more than you make. Well, on that note, what 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 is the best way for our listeners to support you guys? I would say uh, come out to our shows if we come to your city, yeah. and uh, if we're not coming to your city, then you can buy our uh, LP and uh, T-shirts from uh, our band camp. We yeah. have them up for sale. Okay. So I'll I strongly believe in, in free music, especially in the form of MP3s. You know, I buy vinyl when I can, but we've also got all of our music up for free on our Bandcamp. So like, please download it and like give it away to all your friends. Yeah. That's the best way you can support us. Yeah. Right, just yeah. spreading the word, right? And when you, you, uh, said, you said LP, is, is there a vinyl version of the album? Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's only on vinyl. Exclusively on point. vinyl. We're going to try to get it on CD. In our future, but uh, yeah, right we're pretty big vinyl, vinyl junkies. That's here, that's so. freaking awesome. It's exclusively on vinyl, so there's no CD version of it right now. Not uh, yet, anyhow. That's no. a that's a bold thing to do in 2014. <laughs> good good for you guys. The album is called The Full Moon Sessions, uh, and again, the vinyl is av- available. We're gonna have links up in today's show notes for you guys listening to the podcasting version of Talking Metal today uh, at talkingmetal.com and Let's talk about the sound of the the record. It had, you know, there's so many bands today, especially the metal bands, where they, they get this almost sample-like drum sound and everything's so crisp and clear that in a way it almost takes away from the heaviness of it when stuff is so defined and, and processed, if you will. Um, you guys don't have that situation at all. You're, you're the opposite where, you know... The mix is, 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 and I mean this as a compliment, at times it's almost a little muddy and, and, and messy, and I love that because it adds to the chaos and, and, and the feel to it. Um, how do you get that sound in the studio? It's about being organic, really, and just like playing. We, a lot of it's like live off the floor, and like we don't go back and do lots of takes. We don't do punch-ins. There's not a lot of editing. It's like... We, just organic recording, just go in there and get it done. We already know what we want to do pretty much and we just go in and have fun and play our instruments. And I think I think the goal yeah. for the recording process is maybe uh, we want to have a sound that comes across as similar in the jam space on the recording and in the live setting because really I think for your album it should be a fair representation of what you actually sound like as a band. So, you know, with a lot of editing and... Uh, triggering and going in and cleaning everything up so much it'll turn out sounding like something other than how we sound. A piece of plastic. Right. A piece of plastic, yeah. If you sound good, you sound good. So. <laughs> what other bands are you guys into, like more contemporary bands I'm talking about, not the old school stuff? Yeah, yeah. Um, there's, some, there's, a, there's some local bands we really like, like uh, Mitochondrion, pretty cool death metal. There's uh, Chains of Love. Um, not really metal, but still cool. Funeral Circle is a, uh, a cool doom metal band from here that we're going to be touring with in the summer. Um, I, there's a really cool band called Redrick Sultan. They play uh, some pretty bizarre uh, prog rock. Uh, I've been doing some shows with those guys for about the past 10 years, and they're awesome. And then, of course, there's Ancients. So they, uh, they just got nominated for a Juno, so they're kind of the, the big deal band coming out of Vancouver right now, um, doing some cool stuff. There's also, like in terms of like heavy metal that we really... That we really like. There's we we're, we're really into the Sweden scene right now. 
Um, there's some really cool bands coming out of there, like In Solitude and Tribulation. Yeah, I love um, In Solitude. In Sol- that's In Solitude record from last year is just really yeah, good. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, that's, that's one of our favorite records right now for sure. Also, like Portrait. Uh, there's Witch Hazel from England. Um, yeah, there's there's cool stuff coming out in heavy metal all over the world right now. It's just the problem is that it's not in any sort of unified scene. <laughs> right. Right. Cool. Well, again, I think you guys are doing a good thing. I guess uh, one one more question from me, at least. Um, the the age bracket of your fan base are are you? I, I'll I'll tell you. I'm 44 years old. You know, so I'm a lot older than you guys, but I'm really relating to what you're doing. Um, and I I know there's other 40 something dudes out there who are going to dig this when they hear it too. However. What about the twenty somethings? Are they digging it? What about the teenagers? Are you are you getting fans of the uh, of your that are your age and younger? Well, we've got our first uh, all ages show coming up in a couple of weeks, so we'll find that out pretty soon. But uh, <laughs> but I mean, our local shows uh, have been have been pretty good. You know, mm-hmm. we're having a pretty good response. People are coming out, and I'm stoked about that. Um, I think a lot of the like, you know, forty year old guys and older. You know, as much as I hate to say it, tend to not come out as as much as they might have done in the in the past when they were younger. <laughs> no, so, it's you know, true. To... It's true. I used to go to like three shows a week, and I go to like probably, you know, two or three a month now. And that's like, and I'm I'm a rarity. You know, I'm because it's because I'm a music guy. Most of the other dads in the neighborhood aren't out at shows like I am. So you're right. You're right. The older crowd doesn't go to shows as much. Although we've met a couple, uh, yeah. we've met a couple older guys who really dug what we were doing and uh we met one outside of the venue before one of our last shows and uh described to him our sound and he seemed interested and ended up coming and headbanging and having a good time so yeah but i also think it's important that you know although we really like the old school bands like priest and maiden and saxon and whatever else um it's really important to us that what we're trying to do is not just like a throwback thing we're, we're we actually we believe that we're trying to do something do something new as well you know we're trying sure. to we're trying to like bring something, like bring something very different. You know, we've got right, a lot of, yeah. we've got a lot of broad influences. So you know, we're not just playing like new wave of British heavy metal, like '80s heavy metal. You know, like I love like we've actually got a Fleetwood Mac cover on on this on this record, and like I love like Janis Joplin and that sort of stuff too. So you know, we're we're really trying to put something into play here that hasn't been done before. I think that's important because there's, you know, a lot of bands which I'd call throwback bands that they are following the script that was written, you know, 30 years earlier, 35, maybe even 40 years earlier to, to a T and they're not, they're not adding their own touch to it. They're not expanding the boundaries of it. And I think that's an important thing to strive for. And, uh, I, I, I get it. You know, I think you guys are definitely doing that too. So, um, yeah, good stuff guys. And I'm going to, Buy the LP. Oh, that's exciting. I've been listening to a lot of vinyl, not just metal. I've been bu- buying like all sorts of stuff on vinyl. And there's a certain sound that the vinyl gets that you just don't get through the MP3s. So all you talking metal listeners should definitely go out and purchase Spell. The name of the band, again, is Spell. The name of the album is The Full Moon Sessions. And we're going to have links up to that in today's over to the album where you can purchase it in today's show notes. Uh, guys, if we could get like a talking metal ID, maybe one at a time would be best. Um, your name, your band, and you're listening to Talking Metal. All right. Uh, hey, I'm Cam from Spell, and you're listening to Talking Metal. Hey, I'm Graham McD, and you're listening to Talking Metal. 
Hey, this is Lester from Spell, and you're listening to Talking Metal. Guys, thanks so much for taking the time to uh, Skype us today. This will go up in podcast form on Tuesday, and I'll try to remember to send a link to your uh, publicist. What was was it? I'm trying to remember who the publicist was. Catharsis PR. Catharsis, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I'll try to remember to send them a link. Awesome. Thanks a lot, gentlemen. Thanks so much. Okay, what other... We played uh, Possessed by Heavy Metal earlier. What song do you want to play to take us out here? Electric Witchery. Yeah. Cool. Excellent. Electric Witchery. All right, guys. Thanks so much. Thanks a lot, Talking Metal.
Part of me wanted to ream him out for calling in late, but, you know, I just really believe in the sound that they are projecting and what they're doing, so I kind of will let them off the hook for that. I'm still mad about this guy, Ethan Broche. We showed up once to do an interview with this guy, Ethan Broche, and uh, he blew us off in person. Better late than never for Spell, and I, I wish these guys the best of luck. If you are up in Canada, watch out for them playing live. There are some dates posted. I know they're going to be doing dates this summer. I think they have a date coming up in May, too. So if you're in Canada, Northwest Canada specifically, watch out for these guys. Maybe Mitch will be able to see them. Yeah, well, he's in, he's in Eastern. You know, he's uh, Montreal. But um, I don't know. I actually have their tour dates here. Let me see. I can tell you, I don't, uh, I'm not seeing any Montreal dates. They have good stuff. Winnipeg. Things like that in there. Yeah. North Bay, London, Ontario. Oh, Toronto. Yeah. Toronto. I don't know. Maybe, maybe they will make it over to Montreal. I don't know. Playing Toronto. London's close to uh, Detroit actually. Is it? All right. Yeah. There you go. Cool. Great band, and uh, they sound like good guys. So let's support Spell. We'll have their Facebook linked through today's show notes. Also, it's facebook.com slash spell spell. Uh, and that record is coming out on hard and heavy. So we were talking about Ozzy before the yes. disjointed um, Spell talk and interview. And Here's the deal. I don't know if Ozzy will do another solo record. I, I know Gus G thinks they are doing another album. I know Tommy Clefettis two, three years ago when he was on Talking Metal told me that they were already talking about and working on a solo record. But, you know, Mitch caught up with Ozzy, Mitch LaFawn, on uh, one of his one-on-one podcasts. And it was a press conference, and he got literally to ask Ozzy one question. And the way Ozzy answered it was, you know, I'm in Sabbath now. I'm not even thinking about doing that. And if things don't work out in Sabbath, maybe, but things are working out and, you know, this is what I'm doing. And it it almost had the ring to me that he may want to end his career with Sabbath. I I suspect there could be another Sabbath record before there's another Ozzy solo record. That's interesting because... Before the whole Sabbath talk came up, there was all this talk about him writing with Gus G, and um, there were rumors, and actually someone someone that I had interviewed, and I don't remember who it was, I don't remember at the moment, but they had told me, you know, off air, uh, hey, you know, Firewind is touring because... Ozzy didn't feel like Gus G's material was up to par, and that's what Gus relayed to them, and that they pretty much said, hey, you know, take a year to come up with some other material. In the meantime, Ozzy's going to be doing the Sabbath stuff. Ah, uh, I, I find that hard to believe. I mean, it's very possible his material wasn't up to par. I don't know if that's the case, but the money that, you know, Sabbath w- had been away for a while, at least, right. you know, they were around in heaven and hell form, but, you know, up until whenever that was. But, uh, you know, Sabbath with Ozzy had been away for a while, uh, and I think there was, 
they, they finally got to the agreement where they were going to do a record and they got Rick involved. And I, I would tend to think it was probably more than that, um, that they recognized that the time was ripe again for Sabbath and they've done well. The, the, the tour sold extremely well. The album did well, you know, so I, I I don't know if they'll bring Rick Rubin back because I almost, you know, they didn't really trash him too much in, in interviews, but I almost sensed that they weren't happy. They, they weren't happy. And, uh, you know, I, I think, I don't know. I think maybe they were happy with the, the outcome, but I, I do think there was a lot of uh, direction given to them by Rick. And I'm not sure if, if, if those guys at this point in their career and their, in their life for that matter, take direction all that well, you know, this is just, this is a guess on my part. Right. Um, but the album, the album turned out great. I mean, I heard Ozzy spent more time on vocals on this record than he spent in years. Right. And, and the one thing that I was going to mention is that Ozzy sort of mentioned that Rick strong on, strong arm them with bringing Brad Wilkes in and pretty much saying that there was no reason that Tommy couldn't have recorded the album. And yeah, there I might mean, be some truth to that. I, I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I'd really have to study Tommy's playing, which, you know, if, if, if Rick Rubin put on a bunch of Rob zombie records and thought, you know, uh, this isn't the guy I want on, on the record. And he judged Tommy's playing strictly on, on, Tommy's career with Rob Zombie that was probably an unfair blow to Tommy but if they went into the studio and for whatever reason Tommy just wasn't getting the swing you know I mean that's what they wanted they wanted a drummer with swing you know to talk musician you know to have that like you know kind of let's face it Bill, Bill Ward when he could play drums well which was a long time ago he had a real jazz swing about him you know right but Tommy started out as a jazz drummer. That's why oh, I yeah. sort of yeah. I th- I think Tommy got slighted on the whole thing. My I think Tommy's a good guy, and I think for whatever reason, possibly because of his association with Rob Zombie, he had the the cards stacked against him. You know, the deck the deck. It was a bad. He was holding a bad hand going in there, and regardless of how good he played. It's possible that Rick Rubin already had, oh, he plays that electronic boom, boom, you know, like Rob Zombie type of beats. Right. It's interesting would be the first band that would complain that Rick Rubin actually did show up to uh, produce the album. Since so I, I many think it meant a lot to Rick. I mean, he's, he's yeah. a, a hardcore Sabbath fan, you know. Yeah, I've read right. the stories about Rick Notch, you know, the Black Crows stuff, and they hate him, don't they? Uh, Slipknot, Corey Taylor's mentioned a million times how they felt that uh, that they threw money away by, you know, hiring him and then having him not even show up. Uh, it, the thing about Rick is this: that that okay, that might be the case for some, maybe all the records the guy produces. But that name, when I see that name attached to a record, I don't care if it's the Dixie Chicks or Johnny Cash or Slipknot, or Black Sabbath, or the Red Hot Chili Peppers, or Rage Against the Machine. When I see that name attached to a record, I usually think, you know what? 
it's going to be pretty good. And it, it almost always is. You know, he, 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 even Lana Del Rey, he did that song Ride, which I think is amazing. You know, he's, he's got the knack and I don't know how he does it. If it's more Zen, you know, him just talking and getting people back to their roots. Uh, but he, he's got, he's got this certain knack about him where he can pull out the best in, in people. And, uh, I, I think he does that usually by just relating even Neil Diamond, he, he, Neil Diamond was like, I don't play guitar anymore. And Rick was like, yes, you do. And he sat him down he got him to play guitar again and start writing songs on guitar again. And he got a great record. maybe two great. I can't remember. There were two, I think he got two great records out of Neil Diamond. Um, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. So anyways, even with that, I mean, he's, I mean, I've seen the Metallica footage for Death Magnetic. He has a team that's worked with him for years, so they know what he's looking for. You know, so like anyone else who's, uh, you know, climbed the ladder and, you know, as you're saying, uh, where their name or their stamp of approval means something, they've, they're always pretty much surrounded by a great team that's helping them out or supporting them. Yeah, I uh, often wonder about the Metallica thing because it's like Death Magnetic. And I know certain people had issues with the, the production. Eddie Trunk was one of them. I, I actually didn't. Uh, you know, the day that never comes, you know, has that peaking where it sounds distorted. But in a way, it's kind of, you know, I mean, it was digital distortion as opposed to like, a band like Spell who gets like analog sound, more analog sounding distortion. But in a way, the way specifically that song, The Day That Never Comes, was was produced with that digital peaking, it's kind of rock and roll. You know, it's like, you know, what was it purposely left in there to kind of have that sloppy vibe or was it something that took place in the mastering as I believe certain people have suggested, like I think Eddie Trunk was suggesting that. Um or you know I don't know. Or was it a mistake? Was it on purpose? Who who knows? Who knows? And I, wasn't there a version of it that was corrected then? Yeah, they had the whole um, for guitar video, here yeah part. for video game right, yeah. Yeah. and it was mixed differently so that it wouldn't supposedly blow TV speakers, and people apparently ripped that and started posting it online, and a lot of people have said that that's better than. Uh, you know what was released. I, I mean, I've never checked it out. I'm, I'm actually listened to that album in its entirety yesterday. Did you? Yeah, it's uh, a good record. I mean, I, yeah. I often wonder, like, what songs Rick really had his hand in, because to me, the day that never comes is a very much a throwback to the classic master of puppets Metallica sound, where there's other songs on the record that almost sound like they could have been from the load era, you know, which right. a lot of people, which in a way is also classic Metallica. It's, it's just the classic Metallica sound that most people don't like as much as the master <laughs> of puppets, classic Metallica sound. Um, right. Part of me wishes that, 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 that record death magnetic would have been just strictly an 80s Metallica sound. Uh, that was my one kind of disappointment with it. But it's a solid record through and through. It's a good record. Yeah, I, I agree. I have no complaints with it. I think uh, similar to Kiss or Black Sabbath or, or Maiden, the bigger the band, the 
larger the amount of haters you have as well. So I think you're going to have more people complaining about an album from a band as huge as Metallica. So I don't know. I, I, I thought it was good. Yeah, it's good stuff. And again, Rick Rubin, for me, whether it's Slayer, Metallica, Lana Del Rey, the, the Dixie Chicks, uh, you know, the Beastie Boys, the, everything the guy touches is, is usually pretty good in my book. I listen, it's no secret. I like all types of music. And, uh, you know, even the Jay-Z stuff he did, I thought was great. So there you go. Um, I wanted to talk to you, Victor, as a fellow podcaster. And also to some of the other podcasters who might be listening out there. I recently spoke with a lawyer whose grandson is like best friends with my youngest son, my three-year-old. They play together. And this lawyer, he's not from New Jersey. He he was in town visiting. And he's a music business lawyer. I don't want to mention his name exactly, but this guy is big, big, big time. And he has represents recording artists, and he's filed suits against LimeWire and and other uh, servers that pro- provide illegal illegal downloads of of music. And he's got hundreds of millions of dollars for recording <laughs> artists. Uh, this guy is the real deal. He's absolutely big time. I wish I could tell you what he actually does, but I'm not going to. But anyways, we got talking, and I'm like, well, I'm a podcaster, and we got talking about the very taboo subject of playing music on podcasts. And, like, for example, Mitch, Mitch, Mitch LaFon, he wants no music on his podcast. He's terrified of music on the podcast, which I I don't blame him. You know, iHeartRadio is not going to play your podcast if you have music on it, you know, so... uh, I think it's I think it's smart. Mitch's interviews are good. Maybe he doesn't need the music. However, a lot of us p- music podcasts play music, and then and, and there's this thought: well, if I only play 15 seconds of it, um, or I only play a minute of it, um, I'm not going to get sued, and I'm not breaking the law. And basically, this lawyer confirmed to me: you are absolutely breaking the law even if you play three seconds of it. If you play any audio that isn't yours on a podcast, you are breaking the law. This isn't the public airways. Podcasts are downloadable things. So if you play you know, a news reporter that you taped off a TV talking about something on your podcast, that, that's, that's not free and clear. That's your... your you're not even if you're providing commentary on it or whatever you 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 have a song and you talk over the song uh what you're doing is 100% illegal um however the interesting part of it and it's it's, it's depressing cuz we all love playing music on our podcast and i said well, well like for example on an upcoming podcast on talking metal i'm going to play 90 seconds of the new Judas Priest song. I cleared this with Judas Priest's publicist, who I assume cleared it with Sony. I don't know. But even that, like an email from the publicist, you know, this lawyer guy told me, he was like, well, hold on to those emails. If anything ever happens, it's good that you have them. But the lawyer told me that um, 
it's still unless you have a big sign off from who owns the sound recording rights and you've gone through publishing and all this, it's still basically illegal. Uh, but you know, it would get thrown out of court if you had an email from Judas Priest's publicist saying, please play it, you know? So uh, it, it's, it's kind of depressing. The good news is he said, no one's going to come after you. He was like, He's like, yeah, maybe talk over the beginning of it. You know, if you play this the full song, he's like, don't worry about it. He's like, no one is going to come after you. The musicians love that people love their music. And, and unless you're talking shit about the music, unless you're playing songs that are unreleased and, you know, haven't been released yet, and, and unless you're doing something that is, that is not in the artist's best interest – no one's going to come after you if 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 you're if you're have a podcast about how stupid some rock star is and then you play some of his music and he gets wind of it he might come after after you you know and and he could he could get you in trouble but basically if 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 you're just out there promoting the music and you're a music lover you're not going to be targeted you will not be targeted if you're playing unreleased Guns N' Roses tracks, yeah, you're going to get targeted and you're going to probably get bombarded with legal letters and you know, you're going to get in trouble. If you're playing an unreleased Kanye West song, yeah, you're going to get in trouble. But if you're playing some, you know, new song by Winger, Kip Winger is freaking excited you're playing that new song. He wants people to hear that song. Encourage your listeners to go buy the song, you know, support these guys, you know, and, and no one's, if you played the new Kip Winger and you're like, Kip Winger fucking sucks. Listen how shitty this is. And he gets wind of it. Yeah. Then you risk getting, getting in trouble with him or whoever, or, you know, your podcast, you know, iTunes or whoever, you know, but, um, the bottom line is this guy really, actually put me at ease that you know these artists especially the smaller ones love it when you hype their music when you talk about how good their music is how you hype and help sell their music but you just have to be careful and it always is good to try to clear the stuff if you can and when it, even if it's not an official clearing you know just yeah an email from the publicist or an email from kip winger saying yeah please play the new song you know um you know, so that's 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 the bottom line. You know, uh, let's just keep doing what we're doing, guys. And and I'm all for after talking with this lawyer. If you're one of these podcasters, like you do this a lot, Victor, where you don't play the whole song, play the fucking whole song, man. Talk talk <laughs> over it a little bit. Talk over the intro, you know. And 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 uh, I because I, I I actually you know when I hear Decibel Geek and they like fade the song out after like. 30 seconds or something. It drives me nuts a little bit. It's like, I, I personally want to hear the whole song play out. Although there's a flip side. I've had people complain like, why do you play music? Well, we only want to hear you talk, you know? So you know, I, I like hearing the talk and the music. I have some unreleased captain T material. Do you think that, uh, oh, well, I would, would... You'll, you'll get totally sued for that. <laughs> no, I, I want to play some unreleased Captain T was was my stage name uh, when I 
used to play music more frequently than I do now. Um, played, played, toured up and down the East Coast, played in New York hundreds of times. Uh, but I have some unreleased music that I need to actually post to YouTube or, or out there, get out there somewhere because – as we all know, John has written some uh, some songs on the new Ace record, and I do believe that some of the riffs uh, are leftover tracks from Captain T and Astronomy's band, Roy's Baby, from like the mid-90s, early 90s, mid-90s. And part of me just wants to put them out there somewhere. Maybe I'll play them on a podcast. I, I'm not looking to tick John off. I'm not looking to tick Ace off. Because uh, John has assured me anything that he's you know given Ace to work with were riffs he created, even if maybe at one point they were a part of a song we wrote together. Uh, and I'm totally cool with it. It's 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 awesome. I think it's amazing that John's writing a track or two on the new Ace record. But I, part of me just wants to at least have the stuff out there. Maybe I'll play him on Talking Rock. You know, that's what I'll do. I'll put together a Talking Rock podcast just so it's out there. No one listens to that show anyway, so I just want it to be out there. So if all of a sudden you hear something that sounds like Moongate, but the song uh, is called Space Invader all of a sudden. Yeah. Uh, I don't think he gave him Moongate, um, <laughs> but there's another song that, that John and I wrote, which was a Kiss knockoff called The Man, which – we wanted to sound, we wrote it to sound like a Gene Simmons song, you know, from like <laughs> Love Gun era. I mean, it sounds a lot like Plaster Caster or almost human. It's got, it's got, I think we right. stole some of the melodies from, from that. And it's never really been released. It, 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 it's absolutely never been released. Um, called The Man. It's a great song. Um, it was out of time. You know, we kind of wrote it in the 90s and it didn't, it had more of, that 70s and 80s hard rock feel um, than the rest of our songs, which still had a 70s and 80s feel, but they also kind of had that grungy influence on them. Whereas this song sounds like it's straight out of like, you know, 1981 or even earlier than that, like the 70s. Uh, and I have a feeling from what John's told me that, that those are the, the riffs from this one song, which we quite frankly ripped off from Kiss, are the, are the uh, riffs that are going to end up on this song on Ace's record. I, I hope this, this, the song ends up uh, on the record. Of course, Ace's record isn't out yet, so we don't know officially what songs are on the record, but uh, it sounds like it's going to end up on the record. That, that's funny. I mean, obviously my recording um, has never reached the level of your quality or, or what you've worked with, but I mean, similar, I've done a, a kiss or, or ace type knockoff song and it's funny going up to friends and saying hey i i want an ace type solo or i want a gene type bass line on here and then what they return to you being something completely different to what you're asking for and thinking okay are you really a fan of kiss <laughs> oh you got to hear this song i'll play it for you it sounds like kiss um, this song John and I wrote. And John wrote all the music for it. Um, when I say music, I mean guitar and drums and bass. I came up with the vocal melodies, and my I believe my brother and I wrote the lyrics. Um, so I'll, uh, I'll definitely I'll send it to you. It's, it's got to be from like 93, 94. Um, and I'll also play it on an upcoming episode of Talking Rock, which is part of the Talking Metal Digital Podcasting Network. 
All right. Guys, I got to wrap it up. Excellent. Um, anything else that you want to bring up? The I got a complaint that the last couple episodes of Talking Metal were too short and somebody said dialed in or something or, or I was phoning them in. I don't know what that's supposed to mean. But, um, yeah, guys, I've been, again – I'm at this job now where I can't really get on the internet at work or I risk getting in trouble and I can't be editing podcasts at work or I risk getting in trouble. So that's one reason. And another reason is I've been freaking doing a lot of stuff with Mitch. Even when I'm not on his podcast as the co-host, I am working behind the scenes on, on his podcast and his podcast is great. Check it out. It's one-on-one with Mitch LaFon. It's part of the Talking Metal Digital Network. It is on iTunes. We also have uh, Talking Metal Digital Feed, which is also on iTunes, where you get a selection of our Talking Metal Digital Podcasting Network podcasts. Uh, What else? Please support me with Amazon. I just got a nice check from Amazon, thanks to you guys who go to TalkingMetal.com and click on the Amazon link that is in the show notes and you used that to open your Amazon and then you made your purchases and I got a little money back from that. Quite a, quite a bit of money actually, not bad. Uh, so I really appreciate you guys doing that and please continue to do it. Somewhere, someone right now is about to go on Amazon and buy something. So all I ask you to do is just go to TalkingMetal.com, use that link to open up your Amazon and go ahead and make your purchases. There's no extra cost or anything like that. I also want you to support Victor. Give Victor a PayPal donation. That's my my challenge to you. Send him a couple bucks. Go to MarsAttacksRadio.com. You got the PayPal donation button up there, right, Victor? Yes, sir. Right on the right-hand side of the page there. Yeah, and good job on the the shows you did with Mitch, too. That that one episode, the Stephen Piercy one, just like I said, the streams and downloads and that were out of this world cool it's a lot it's a lot of fun to talk to mitch and uh it's actually lucky there was a hockey game that night if not we would have been talking for about six hours which is uh usually the norm with us so right right cool and let's just take a quick look at facebook before we go we have a couple pages on Facebook. There's a Talking Metal page. There's a Talking Metal digital page, which I actually tried to combine those pages, and they wouldn't let me. Um, and there's a Mars Attacks page. There's a one-on-one page. So go like all of those. Uh, let me see if anybody's checked in on Facebook before we go. Um, yeah, James has checked in. 44 here, and I'm come out if they oh okay james says he's gonna go check spell out he's 44 just like me and and, yeah he's in calgary so that's cool cool james and sarah says that andrew watt is the guitarist in california breed sarah thanks for listening andrew watt he's a young guy right victor yeah yes he is i believe he's only like 20 or so yeah i heard that too so that's great really looking forward to listening more to California Breed with Glenn Hughes and, of course, Jason Bonham. Uh, And I don't know. There are a couple other people checking in on Twitter. I don't have my Twitter page opened anymore. But thanks, guys, for listening. We appreciate your support. And, uh, yeah, we'll catch you next time. 
Absolutely. We're going to leave things off here with Mastodon's latest single. Name of the track is High Road, sort of to wet our whistles here before the pending new album. And um, I don't know what happened. Record Store Day used to just be for the mom and pop stores. Now it seems as if iTunes getting their cut as well. So, um, right. Here we go. Little Mastodon with High Road. Catch you next time right here on Talking Metal Live.